this is Margaret Copeman Frickowitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening to this episode. Make sure you share it with other diabetics so that we can, you know, all share in this community together. Now, of course, I, I have to admit that even after, I think I counted 140, 150 episodes, I, I had re- no idea I talked that much. Anyways, I guess over the years, they've just kind of added up. But anyways, um, with that being said, (laughs) I have to giggle a little bit. I was actually trying to think of a topic. I'm like, what can I talk about today? What could I actually research? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to actually tack into the type one world and see what they're talking about. And, you know, it's kind of weird. It's almost like a different realm almost because they they have, uh, of course, different problems than what a type two has to deal with. At least when you start anyways. Um, if you get, if you get bad enough with type two, uh, uh, you could be looking at the world of type one as well. So, I mean, they have some useful tips over there as well. Um, if not more so, a little bit more extreme. We don't have to be that extreme though, do we? No, because we're like pre-diabetic and, you know, borderline diabetic. Okay. So with that being said, if you hear any topics whatsoever dealing with health, make sure you check with your doctor first, even though they're just a general practitioner and you want to actually check with your endocrinologist want some straight up facts but anyways I don't think I'm going to go into anything medical today but I just thought I'd give that put that warning out just in case I did anyways um I wanted to start off with coffee coffee being one of my favorite most favorite beverages ever however I actually picked up some generic coffee which (laughs) sat on top of my fridge probably for two years while I was going out buying flavored type coffees, which don't have any sugar in it, they're just flavored. And I started thinking about it, like this, there's this coffee on my fridge. I can either go out and buy more flavored coffee because I ran out, of course. I had this wonderful caramel, it wasn't chocolate, it was like caramel walnut flavored or pecan or something like that flavored coffee. You couldn't taste the nuts in it at all. You could only taste, uh, um, it, it tasted chocolatey. It was really weird. I'm like, well, okay, maybe this is why I got it on sale. Anyways, I really loved it. And then I uh, found out that um, a lot of coffee is actually infused with chemicals to give it that flavor. And I'm like, now a little bit paranoid to actually get flavored coffees, knowing that that's how they infuse coffee. I decided to do my own little experiment, though. So I actually took my generic coffee, which now has literally no flavor to it it like it it tastes like nothing I feel like i'm drinking hot water a lot of times um no i'll add some like powdered hot cocoa or something in there you know sugar-free of course and it'll taste more like hot cocoa right and i started thinking about this i'm like well it, uh maybe i can actually flavor up my coffee a little bit so i did that i actually added um and this is this is fantastic. You may want to try it if you have some bland coffee on hand. I actually added cinnamon to the grounds before actually brewing it, and then added some hot—well, not hot cocoa, but you know, some cocoa powder, you know, dark chocolate cacao powder or whatnot. It's like one carb, so I can go ahead and put up with one carb. So I decided to actually add that to my big canister of coffee, mix it together. I put, you know, copious amounts of cinnamon in there. Not enough to poison somebody, though. 
um, in the coffee and it has a very nice cinnamon chocolatey aroma to it and I love the taste of it and I literally don't need to add I mean I, I might add like a little bit of milk for a little bit of coloring because I like my my coffee a little bit caramel looking but other than that I could drink it straight up and not really worry about it and then you know, maybe add a little bit of sweetener or whatnot to actually bring out the, the cinnamon effects but um it's absolutely delicious try it if you have some blend coffee on you um that's my first tip of the day so uh just something that i discovered that was just absolutely fascinating so for those in america i hope that you've had a great thanksgiving i actually uh went to potluck before my thanksgiving and of course, I have a couple Christmas parties that I need to attend that I, I actually was invited to. I may or may not go to those Christmas parties depending um, due to some circumstances out of my control. But, you know, at least I was invited, so thank you for the invites. But um, what I wanted to talk about today, <laughs> and of course I'm five minutes in it, I really didn't want to talk about. But I kind of have to talk about because it's kind of... It's kind of interesting. It deals with friendships, relationships, family members. It, it just deals with people, okay? I'm just going to put it that way. I had an interesting conversation at church with a lady that I found out was also a diabetic. Well, she was a type 1 diabetic. I found out by accident. And uh, I actually have these sugar-free candies in, in my purse. I was partly doing it because, you know, I'm trying to be nice. Because this lady kept hoovering around me. And uh, another part of me was, was doing it just to find out what she was like. So I had these candies I did not particularly like in my purse. It came like a sorted variety. And they were sugar free. And so first thing first. Whenever. And I, I've actually given a lot of candy away. So you know that's one of the things I do. When I have them. You know there's more to share. So um, I had these yellow ones. I didn't necessarily like. <laughs> They were banana flavored. Now, if you've heard me talk about bananas having more carbs to them than anything else, you know, like the candy bar or whatnot, and how a candy bar is probably safer than a banana, you'd understand why I'd want to get rid of the banana flavor. I just don't want the flavor. I don't care if it's sugar-free. Like, I'm so done with bananas. Like, bananas, no, no more. I mean, there's no enjoyment out of the flavor f for me. Um... Yeah, I kind of miss bananas, but not really. So I don't even want to. I don't even want to taste it. I've just gotten to that point. Oranges, yes. Bananas, no. I mean, you just make your decision. You you become opinionated as a diabetic and discriminatory and picky just based off of the fact that you have something going on here, right? So, um, one of the lady. Well, I actually had two ladies who were in. One lady, she declined my offer for for the candy, even though it was sugar free. But the other lady, she took it, she, she looked at me, she's like, oh, you must be a diabetic. And I just kind of looked at her and I'm like, okay, well, how did you know? Just because I'm eating a sugar-free candy? I mean, what's going on here? Because, I mean, I've, I've actually eaten sugar-free candy, you know, in the past just because I want to stay away from sugar. So I, I thought it was kind of weird, you know, the first thing that pops in somebody's mind is you must be a diabetic. And then she admitted to me that she was a diabetic too. As a matter of fact, she had that Dextron thingy stuck to her arm, which I don't understand why anybody would want something like that stuck to your arm. I just, you know, it. 
I like I don't want to know what my blood sugar numbers are on a regular basis. Like I'll stick my finger when I need to, but I I, I don't have the severity where it drops way too low or it might put me in a coma or way too high where I might be a stroke risk. Okay, so I'm not in that. It does not bounce that bad. My pancreas still works. It's just lazy. I got a lazy pancreas. Okay. So I thought it was kind of weird, and she showed me her numbers, which were stellar. She was at an 89, and I'm just so envious of that. I'm like, when's the last time I've been in 89? Oh, yes, I was getting the shakes. My body wasn't used to it. Gosh, and she looks so stable. I wish that I could actually maintain a blood sugar of 89 and be okay with that. However, with me, if I was maintaining a blood sugar of 89, I'd be constantly worried that I was going to go into a coma coma risk you know because you drop down to 40 and you know they're they're giving you juice or whatnot to try to bring it back up so you don't slip into a coma so i worry about that stuff like that i i feel comfortable more comfortable with hyper than a hypo so hyper meaning your blood sugar is high hypo meaning your blood sugar is low and of course usually diabetics fall into either one of those ranges okay so i gave this girl's candy and she's like oh my gosh i love this flavor candy i'm like oh Oh, this is awesome. So I made sure to fish out all the banana flavored candy that I had and I gave it to her. I was so excited and stoked that somebody wanted the banana flavors because I thought they were going to go to waste. And, you know, of course, me not wanting the, the bananas, I, I was more than happy. I'm like, here, take it all. Just take it all. I mean, it'd be kind of like if somebody didn't like the flavor orange and they told me that I could have all the orange flavors. I would be so stoked too. So I made her happy and then for a little bit and then she like transferred herself to the other side of the room. It's like as soon as she got something from me, then she like left and I'm just like, okay, bye, see ya. But the lady who actually declined the candy, she, no, she was sticking around. I'm like, going, what is she, you know, like, I don't know what else to say to her, you know, so I kind of like sat there and just waited around because I needed to talk to somebody. But, um, yeah, pretty interesting. But, but we're talking about relationships here. Then I started thinking about it and I'm like, how has diabetes changed and how have I reacted to relationships and friendships, etc.? Well, one, nobody has to know you're diabetic at all. You don't ever have to reveal that you're diabetic. Nobody would even know unless you, like, I don't know, fainted and then they wanted to know why and then they have a reason to know why because, you know, you fainted in front of them or whatnot. I've never had that happen, nor will I ever have that happen as a hyper more likely to have a stroke if my numbers get too high, but I'm nowhere near that right now, thank God. Um, and hopefully I won't be in the future either. So if I can keep my carbs low and stuff of that nature, and, you know, convince my pancreas to still, you know, work even though it's a little bit sluggish, I should be fine. So keep taking my medications. I'm cool, right? Cool beans. So how has this affected relationships? I honestly, this is one thing I've noticed. As, as far as the whole dating thing goes, like, I'm not really, I'm like old right now, I'm like 50, okay? So, when it comes to dating stuff of this nature, if there's somebody that's, and this does happen where people actually come on to me and stuff of this nature on occasion, I haven't had it in a whole month, so I'm feeling kind of lucky, but I have had it happen. And I will just casually mention I'm a diabetic, and they usually leave me alone. Now, I'm happy about this, right? It's like, yay, but at the same time, if I was interested in somebody, this would be really hard to actually admit. 
I have to admit. It, it's really hard. Um, also, it would be very hard if, if there was somebody I was not interested in. I admitted I was a diabetic right away and they're still pursuing me, which has not happened yet. But, but if it does happen, uh, then I'll have to come up with a new angle. Like, I'm not interested in you. Okay, so that would be my first thing. But generally speaking, as a single woman, I'm actually quite happy as a single woman. And when I was married, I was quite happy as a married woman. As a matter of fact, generally speaking, I've always been quite happy. I may go through periods of sadness where I wish somebody was there, but for the most part, I'm generally happy being single. Which brings me into today's topic. So I was actually on YouTube because of course, you know, that's where I get like most of my information, like 99% of it. And so I was kind of curious about how, you know, diabetic couples relate to one another when you have somebody who's normal, somebody who's not. And type one, of course, you're going to extremes here. How do they handle something like that? How do you tell somebody, oh, by the way, I'm a type one diabetic. What are the chances that your kids are going to actually have diabetes? Uh, questions like, what do I do in case there's a medical emergency? 911 people, 911, okay? Uh, or just give them a juice box if they're hypo. So knowing if they're hypo or hyper is a good idea. Uh, knowing what type of, I mean, a diabetic's going to tell you what you need to know, okay? If it's serious, it's serious. If it's not, it's not. And technically speaking, like for instance, if I actually had a partner, they wouldn't have to, you know, babysit me and my diabetes because I pretty much know what I need to do. Now, if it ever comes down to uh, a period where I have to actually seek medical treatment, I might let them know, hey, look, I got to get to the hospital because this isn't, this isn't right. Something's going on with my body that's not, that should not be happening. And bip, I'd be out the door just as if my partner was having a heart attack. You know, I wouldn't treat it any differently. <laughs> I mean, you don't treat it any differently. It's just like, okay, you have this disorder. Hey, you may have clogged arteries and I may actually be dating you and you might be a health risk to me that does not have clogged arteries or maybe I do, I don't know. Um, and so the same thing can happen, just different disorders. Yours is just a silent killer. Mine is something that I know about. And I probably won't even die from diabetes. I'll probably die from a stroke or something. God forbid. But this stuff happens, right? So I think people are a little bit too hypersensitive, hyper-focused on the diagnosis of diabetes. But now, mind you, if you are younger and if you are planning on raising children or having children, stuff of that nature, these are important questions to ask. Like, what are the risks that, that our children, you being a diabetic, uh, is going to have diabetes as well. And how are we going to manage that? I mean, those are important questions. But then if you're going to open that up, well, then maybe we should discuss your family's problem with heart disease. And, you know, are they going to have to have, you know, surgery on their heart in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s? I mean, you know, medical things just happen. There are, are, are diagnoses that we just can't control. Now, the good news is, is just because, like, let's say um, you marry a type 1 diabetic. I'm not type 1, I'm type 2, by the way. But let's say you, well, like, say I was a type 1, and you and I decided to have kids. You know, there's like maybe a 1 in 17 chance that they're going to have diabetes. But, 
diabetes runs in my family. So far, it's been 100%. So my father married... My father was diabetic. He married somebody without diabetes. But all of his children... It was a, it was a dominant gene. It was definitely... like That's why I call it the superpower. <laughs> it was definitely the superpower, you know, 10,000 years ago when we needed it. But we don't need it now. But we still have it. we got to deal with it. But all of his children had diabetes. Every single six... All six of them. So... The only children that did not get diabetes from my father are the ones where he was stepdad to for a short period of time because they were, you know, made by somebody else. But anyways, that's a different story for another day and probably never to be told. Okay, so knowing this, um, of course you date an older mature woman. More than likely she's not thinking about having kids. She's thinking about more about having cats. How's this going to affect you and your relationship? Well, the longer she's single, probably more likely she is to have multiple cats. Like, I'm already deciding on getting a second cat. However, the only thing stopping me is the fact that, you know, my apartment complex is going to charge me more money to actually have that second cat. And the fact that I have a cat that probably is, well, not only is he territorial, but he probably would not want somebody sniffing around one of the two of his litter boxes. Yes, I admit it, my cat has two litter boxes. It's been a great trainer. That's definitely a story for another day if I ever start to talk about pets. Okay, but talking about litter boxes. <laughs> See, one story leads into another, leads into another, but you know what, this is still in regards to relationships, okay? I'm just using multiple stories to actually tell it. So I met a, another lady at church has 15 cats like she has 15 cats and the whole thing running through my mind during the whole time she was speaking which hopefully I didn't insult her I wasn't I didn't mean this as an insult at all I meant it because I was just super curious uh you know sometimes my you know curiosity killed the cat and obviously killed a couple brain cells in my head because I was not focused on the topic at hand because I already given my response on it and stuff anyways but my next question to her, and of course I had to ask another question is, okay, because she already admitted she had 15 cats, so I'm here thinking, does she have? No, she has 17 cats, I'm sorry. So, so she has 17 cats. 17 people, I mean 17 cats. Like, I don't know if they're all indoors, but that's just, I mean, it's amazing. At the same time, it's also a lot of work. So I, I, I could not imagine, I mean, Maybe she's, like, working for pet rescue or something. I'm not sure. I'm not making fun of her. Don't even think I'm doing that. I'm not. I'm amazed by people who have that many animals. I really am. Because I have one cat. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, maybe two cats? But I'm cool with one cat. I think even two cats might be a little bit of work. But maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I was just kind of curious. I'm, like... Well, with, uh... With multiple cats, I mean, how many litter boxes do you have? And she admitted she had 15 litter boxes. And I'm here thinking, well, she's got 17 cats. Why does she only have 15 litter boxes? I know, crazy, crazy, crazy. And, like, does she have a barn or something to put these litter boxes in? Because, I mean, I live in a little tiny studio apartment. I couldn't even imagine having 17 cats in my place. Like, I, I wouldn't. Don't worry. If my landlord's listening, don't worry. Not going to happen. I only have one cat, okay? I'm just saying. Like, her litter boxes, I mean, litter boxes in general take up a lot of space. I have two of them 
in my bathroom and I have them fashioned to where one does not take up space neither does the other and they're actually uh, like one's under the sink the other one is under a piece of furniture that I actually keep stuff on top of is this kind of like interesting you know I keep them clean so not a big deal but 17 litter boxes now there's some other some circumstances too and of course I don't want people to um, prejudge her or anything like that that's not necessary but um, she's also she's also partially blind so this is really interesting to me um, but I, I certainly think that if somebody who's disabled can take care of 17 pets and have 15 litter boxes I mean that's that's very admirable so obviously you know there's like maybe a, a for instance she's taking care of a pet rescue or something during the day I would assume but that's absolutely phenomenal okay now I'm gonna talk about the whole dating realm because I've I've, I've wasted 21 minutes talking about other things because I didn't want to have to talk about this subject but what is dating like as a diabetic you know honestly I have not done much dating I prefer not to date and it has nothing to do with my diabetes I know believe it or not it has nothing to do with my diabetes because my diabetes does not hinder me I don't have to give myself shots in the middle of diabetes or excuse me in the middle of a date or something which I'm sure nobody does um, it doesn't disturb my life in the least uh, food choices are kind of interesting though because what do you do on a date most people generally eat luckily at some of the nicer restaurants there's always one of those meals that are low carb to no carb which is amazing like uh, Chipotle if they're still actually serving their, serving their um, cauliflower rice for instance excellent choice and they have all kinds of options that they put on top of that low carb option to rice well I've discovered that you know and there's things that I don't know about type ones and so I'm kind of discovering um, a little bit that they're already on low carb options so they're already doing this plus injecting insulin bless their souls you know they have a lot they have to worry about so um, so I was listening to this lady discuss her low carb options that she actually chooses and I'm like oh my goodness I'm doing the exact same thing like I'm living sort of the same life she is the only difference is is for instance I go to a potluck and there are a bunch of different foods there they're always usually really highly carby not good choices I try to pick the best choices out there but then when like the only choice that they actually had like for instance at the potluck I went to was the collard greens I'd never eaten collard greens before but when I tried them they actually tasted pretty good so I think I might have that again but it was literally the only thing that didn't have like a ton of carbs in it so if I was dating like for instance if I went to the movies there's not really too many low carb choices going to like for instance the theater and going to the snack stand I mean maybe they have some beef jerky you can eat on that but you know I also have to look out for you know too much sugar I mean salt I mean I'm watching the sugar too but I watch out for the salt so beef jerky has a lot of salt in it so I mean I would probably plan like help plan the date accordingly if I actually had the capabilities of doing that to where it was um, maybe a nice dinner before 
the theater if that was a choice if we weren't just going to the movies instead of after so that I have to worry about snacking too much maybe I can you know get like a diet drink or something at the theater and just give my date the popcorn or something and let him have at it I might eat a couple kernels but again you know you don't want to go past a cup or so you want to watch those carbs you don't want your blood sugar going up or you might just give yourself a free pass being a type 2 diabetic and say hey you know what I'm gonna enjoy the heck out of this popcorn pay for it in the morning because I don't date that often and hey that happens too it's your life your choice now here lately I've um, like when, I, when I'm gonna skip back to the potluck for instance that I had at work um, with all the carby choices that were out there, all the foods looked amazing. So I had to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that because, of course, I didn't want to deprive myself. But I only, of course, went for one plate. I made sure that they were minimal portions. Besides, it's rude to take too much anyways at a potluck. Even though they could have fed, like, at least 100 more people going through there. Still not polite to take too much, right? So they had all this amazing food left over. I think that they only dented like maybe a quarter of the food that they actually brought in. And now I know why there wasn't a list passed around to what you should bring to the potluck. And of course I talked about bringing cookies in the last episode. You know, some cookies that I ate a couple of because nobody else was eating them. There was so much amazing food there. And it was, it was homey, down earth wonderful food it wasn't like fancy food or anything but it was good homey stuff that you know that I just really appreciated okay going back into the dating realm let's say you're dating this gorgeous guy okay I mean you like have wanted to date him like for a year now right and he finally asks you out like how did that happen okay cool all right, this is just a date, people. You know, you don't have to give your medical history right off the bat. I mean, think about it. Do you think anybody is going sit, to sit you down at the table and say, I have to admit, I have a really bad rash in the groin area. Like, seriously, like, you don't have to, like, give out your medical history here. I mean, unless you're going, you're afraid you're going to pass out of the table or something. Um... But people do this. I do this. I blurt it out. Like, if, if I meet somebody, I, I blurt it out. Oh, by the way, I'm a diabetic, and I say it really casually, like. But I'm going on a different angle. Like, there's some people out there, like, they will not tell you at all that they're diabetic, right? And then there's people like me that have been uh, doing multiple podcasts on it, and we're just, <laughs> we're getting used to it because, you know, at first we were, like, this was like a really taboo subject. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm diabetic. I'm really uncomfortable talking about this. I have a lot of family members like that. Like it runs in our family for some reason they don't want to talk about what it's going to might kill you or might cause other issues. And I'm like, this can be absolutely detrimental to your health. You don't want to talk about it because you think that it's going to go away. Guess what? It's a dragon. It's not going away without a fight. So, and you know what? If you're not, if you're not you don't have the equipment to actually fight it. It's going to consume you. It's a horrible dragon. But also by talking about it, especially, especially with family members who eventually will open up about it. Because they don't want to die, of course. But what you can do is say, hey, look, you need to stay away from the snacks, the sugar, etc. Your diabetes is getting worse. You have 
cuts or bruises that won't heal. Duh. And you're eating like you don't have diabetes. So now you can call people out, especially in your family. Like, hey, watch your eating choices. Okay. This is valuable advice. People write this stuff down. Okay. I'm just kidding about that. But it is important, especially since a lot of it in type 2 is, her is hereditary. And I have found members who have completely taken control of their diabetes. I mean, they're on top of it. Like, they're not going to let this slow them down. They're doing a better job than I even am with self-regulation of their diabetes. And I'm so proud of them. And so this is the reason why it's important to discuss this with your family members. Because, well, one, it's a hard disease to actually have and to be out there on your own. You may say, you know, I'm going to just tough it up and I'll just talk to my doctor once every three months about it. But your doctor is going to clam up. He may tell you some things, but it's not going to be things you need to hear. It's going to be things like you need to go on more medication. It's going to be things like you need to see this specialist now because... You know, you have an ulcer on the bottom of your foot that, that we can't heal. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. Sometimes it's simple lifestyle changes that can prevent that stuff. Now, you may have heard prevention is the best source of medicine out there. It's very true. So be aware of what can happen. Being a diabetic, such as wounds not healing or problems with your kidneys or problems with your eyes and perhaps... You're seeing cloudy and you don't understand why. Maybe sometimes it's just a prescription change, but other times it could be because your blood sugars are too high. And of course, you know, you need to monitor your own blood sugar. You have to be, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again because I mean it and I'm adamant about it. You have to be your own best doctor. You have to learn about your disorder if you're going to live life. You have to think into the future how certain things are going to affect you. It's one of the reasons why I'm such a big advocate, um, especially with people becoming homeless, because the thing is, is I don't think anybody deserves a premature death. I mean, a lot of people work hard all their lives and then to be left out in the cold because something happens to their job or something happens to their health is not humane, is not right. And it's something that could happen to you. Don't think it can't. It can happen to anyone. So I think what would be absolutely torturous, what's even worse than somebody being homeless? I mean, we see all kinds of tragedies. We do nothing about it. We just watch it and we just move on with our lives. You know, it might be brief because we see it so often. But those, and I call them demons because they're so adamant about not taking care of other people, about how you should be self-sufficient and independent but then they don't have the same disability that you do as well. Like, oh, you know, they're, they're so narcissistic. They're so uh, self-inflated that they think that because they've made it and because they're doing well, that everybody should be the same as them and they should just work harder. And they have no idea that that person's working two jobs or that that person has one job and they were let go from that one job that they had or that they don't quite... Uh, you know, they don't quite, um, they're not quite qualified, I should say, for, for uh, disability just yet because they're not in a hospital laying in a bed, you know, with, with uh, all kinds of machines hooked up to them, costing taxpayers 
probably millions of dollars a year, okay? Prevention is the best medicine. But I'm telling you, when those those chain links that, that link us as a community or as a nation, when they start to separate, that's when things fall apart. So prevention means you prevent somebody from becoming homeless or you prevent somebody from getting sick. You get to the root causes to try to prevent that homelessness or that disease or that disorder. Because in the end, it's the taxpayer who's going to have to pay for all of this. And everybody's really good about, you know, living in the moment and then putting off costs later, right? Some people do not have the capability of, you know, their crystal balls are broken. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. They could be working four jobs and three of the jobs are crap jobs. You know, they, you know, it's kind of like those uh, um, jobs where, you know, it paid good money at one time and then new regulation was put in. So now they're not paying anything or it's costing that person money. And they're like, okay, I can't do that job anymore. Obviously, much like Lyft or Uber. But um, sometimes things just happen, right? And so as a society, like when you, when you actually cut off like a quarter of your workforce or half your workforce, like recessions, stuff of that nature, it's going to end up costing your nation more money in the long run. I mean, this is just common sense. So allow them to, to have their jobs and do their work, etc. Pay them a decent wage. Realize that nobody can live off of $10 an hour unless they're living with mom and dad. And even then, it's hard. You know, they got either student loans to pay off or they have medications they actually have to pay for or utilities or maybe mom and dad want rent money or something of that nature. But to be fair to everybody, have a base wage that actually takes care of the bills is probably uh, optimum as opposed to cutting off wages entirely and then saying, well, now you're going to have to work for it. Okay? In our society, our society is crazy. We have all these schools popping up that um, as soon as the workforce learns about these job opportunities and as soon as they go to school and they're actually taught these job opportunities... Well, they've issued it to so many people that basically what it does is it waters down the workforce. And so something that paid like $100,000, for instance, a year is now paying $50,000, which now uh, they've flooded the market full of like, for instance, coders or whatnot. Now you might make $20,000, which is what you started out with. But why did you pay, you know, um, $40,000 for schooling? Like, why? This happens. This happened to me, for instance. So when people start talking about education stuff, I just shut them up really fast. I'm like, I think that they have flooded the market, oversaturated the market with enough. For instance, um, autotronic workers, which they didn't have a need for because machines took over. Uh, cashiers, because machines took over. Oh, even driving jobs, because now they have autonomous, autonomous vehicles that they're actually rolling out now. Not in 2030 uh, for a greener, cleaner workforce. Now, with Uber and stuff of that nature, I mean, it, you have to pay attention to what government is actually saying. <laughs> and I'm going to slide off the topic here a little bit, but I'm going to go back into relationships here a little bit. But So they rolled out all these, uh, I'm probably saying the word wrong, so my apologies, autonomous vehicles. Yeah, that don't require drivers anymore. So they're always talking about cutting the workforce, but, you know, they're not, 
they're not they're not clear as to where these workers are going to go next. I mean, I know that they would prefer the workers to just, you know, kill off themselves or something of that nature, but you know, that's just not it's not humane. That's not humane. That's not how humanity works. That's not how God created us, you know? <laughs> so, it's not sorry. Like, uh, just be and just because you make like a million dollars a year does not make you the most important person on the planet. Maybe a billion. Okay. So you're safe, Elon Musk. But, <laughs> okay. So, going back into relationships. So the whole relationship game, right? Like, okay. Uh, obviously, talking about your diabetes straight at the bat is probably not a good idea. Unless you just want to... I mean, it's just not a good idea anyways. Like, I wouldn't put up there, I'm a type 2 diabetic, because somebody might have a life insurance policy, and they might be looking for people that are, you know, probably only live a decade or two. And so they're like, oh, yeah, let me get this globe life insurance policy and put it on this person, because they're going to be dead anyways. They have diabetes. Well... Good news is, is I'll probably live 10 years longer than you. And if you put a life insurance policy on me, I'm going to put one on you too because I'm going to be rich. Okay? I take a drug that actually will keep me alive 10 years longer than you. Now, obviously, if I, I date somebody who's 20 years younger than me, then obviously I'm probably not going to win in that one. But anyways, somebody older? Yeah, sure. I'll be fine. So because of this and because of how greedy society is, and they have to be greedy, Greed is stemmed from people wanting more, obviously. And the richer you are, the more you need, the more you want. And it's never enough because, of course, you have that payroll you have to pay into. And it's never enough. I've, I've heard this so many times that it's, it's almost sad. But I've heard people say, yeah, I only make $100,000, but, you know, I have, like, a million dollars worth of debt. So I have to work longer, harder hours, and so I, that's why I put in, like, the 60 to 80 hours a week. Because I need to make sure to monetize every single minute that I'm actually in the workforce. Because I'm worth, like, $17,000 a minute. And I say to you, good for you. Okay, but I'm talking about relationships, so let me go ahead and dwindle back into that. So I would not suggest telling anybody that you just start dating because we'll date a lot of lemons anyways, a lot of frogs out there. You probably don't want to tell them that you're diabetic straight off the get-go. Like if it starts to get a little bit serious after, you know, three or four dates, yeah, sure. You might want to slightly say something, but be very cautious about who you tell. You know, you might want to do a background search on them or something and... This is one of the reasons why, <laughs> for instance, I'm like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to go out there and date anybody because they might be secretly planning my death or something and, you know, to make money. And in today's society with all this greed going on, people still yearn for the, you know, the, the mansion or the really nice house in a really good neighborhood so they can look as normal as possible, even if they have to kill off a couple of people to do that. You think I'm lying? I'm not lying. Watch the news. This happens all the time. Or like, for instance, plants don't go as well. You know, the fishers come to mind. Years ago, this guy, I forgot something, Fisher, can't remember what his first name was, but he ended up disappearing from the scene and his 
wife and his kids were found dead in their family home uh, after a fire. And then they found out that these people were murdered. So, I mean, the guy murdered his family and then he took off and he, I guess he's still on the loose. I don't think that they ever caught him. So he's probably in Tahiti or whatnot. Uh, just, you know, living his life as a single guy. Like, I don't want to date somebody like that. You know, you hear about all these scary stories about guys killing their girlfriends or their wives or something of that nature. And now, mind you, women can actually kill men too, but the majority are men killing women. So, you know, women don't, like, guys wonder why women don't want to be in relationships. This is why, people, there's serial killers out there. They go out stalking women and killing them. Like, for whatever reason. Sometimes they're the craziest idiotic reasons so yeah if if a woman does not tell you that she's diabetic right away there might be a reason for that i mean for the same reason you don't tell her your cholesterol level like seriously like i i make it a big deal because there's so much about diabetes that i need to know about because i want to make sure to live a really long time but i'm also single because i want to live a really long time I'm not financially stable. I'm a female. I wasn't really raised that way. So I'm having to learn lessons as I go along. But um, some of the lessons that I've also learned that even as self-efficient and independent as I am, that when I need help, I don't get it because, um, I, I mean, I can't say everybody doesn't help out because there are some people that do. But for the, like, for instance, if you're Mormon, you are so screwed if you're a single older female. You are. Unless you're, you know, kissing their butt or something. So, um, like, like my experiences with different religions and stuff that I've noticed being a single woman, which is the only reason why uh, a single woman won't want to be single is because of how society regards her and treats her. One, your paychecks are really low um, because there's a lot of things you can't do, such as be a man. I mean, I guess some women can be men, but not me. Um, and they just don't pay women enough. They, they just don't. So sometimes we have to depend on charities. Sometimes. Like, you know, we're tired of eating beans at home and just paying our rent and that's all we can afford. So we might ask for a little bit of help from, like, for instance, Catholic charities. They're always good about taking care of people. Um, but, like, for instance, if you're LDS... You're just screwed. I'm just going to pop out and tell you. You're screwed. Now, mind you, if you were married and you sought help from the LDS church, they'll help you then because they help family units. But as far as widows go or as, or as far as um, orphans or whatnot, they think you're a scammer. That you're just trying to scam the system. When the truth is, is you might have just lost your job with, like, for instance, Uber or something of that nature. You just started a new job as quickly as you could. But there were a couple of weeks while you were searching for jobs where there was literally no income coming in. And unfortunately, between Uber and Lyft, they do not have unemployment benefits. And so you were not expecting a job loss. This was a job you thought you'd be working forever. And unfortunately, either due to background checks or due to the fact that um, you're no longer needed with the company for whatever reason they created in their heads... Now you have to seek help. This does happen. So, interestingly enough, some people just prefer to be single. Other people, I don't think that you should actually give a diagnosis to. 
But as far as charities go, don't go to the LDS church. As a matter of fact, don't even give them any money. They don't deserve it. Like, seriously, LDS? Like, I'm going to tell you about my experience because I still have time while I'm on here. And I'm so just seething mad about it. I'll forgive them after I actually talk about it, okay? So no worries there because, of course, I don't want to be judged for the fact that I judged them based off of their perception of me. They had me going to their church over and over and over again and saying I would actually get help from them. They knew that I was actually facing an eviction because I was let go from my job at Uber. I did not qualify for unemployment. I was not receiving help of any kind. I'm the self-sufficient independent woman can take care of myself, right? Well, putting in 40 to 50 job applications unfortunately wasn't enough and eventually the, the, the whole uh, career pool dried up. So I was stuck because even though I have like four apps, uh, let's see, Uber let me go, Lyft took me on, DoorDash gave me work, and then there was Roadie. I couldn't do Roadie because they wanted me to lift 150 pounds worth of crap to somebody's third story house or whatnot. Couldn't do it. I could not physically do it. And I, I cut it out right off the bat. I had actually shown up for work and... And then they just completely um, canceled on me. So I drove all the way down there, wasted my gas. They canceled on me. And this was on more than one occasion. Thanks a lot, Walmart. You suck. Okay. But anyways, getting back to the job. So Rody was out. Couldn't do Rody. They wouldn't give me any work that was legitimate. Right? DoorDash. DoorDash will give you one hour a day. They'll give you a whole lot of work to do. They'll pay you for that work. But then if they go on to hour two or hour three, they will screw up your orders. Because, of course, for whatever reason, I guess they don't want to be the number one delivery service anymore. They want to screw up orders and make the others look more important than you. So you were just a throwaway. Okay, so I was set up for that. Lyft, another great setup job where they want to underpay you per run and they're using your gas. So they're literally taking advantage of drivers right now on Lyft and with Uber. So I've talked to some new drivers on Uber. They're not making any money. So the last time I was on the Lyft platform, I made $6 in a whopping four hours. And I had decided that I had had enough of being abused and used. Okay. I'm actually working another job now where I actually help charities out. And I'm perfectly fine for that. So hopefully that job will last a long time because every single thing, everything else has fallen through the net. Which actually forced me to actually go down to some of the churches and ask for charity to help with rent so that I would not be evicted. People, if this is your new society, you can suck it, okay? If this is how you treat people, suck it. But this is going on in our recession economy. This is not a recession, people. This is a depression that we're going through. This is the Great Depression. When I have to eat beans on my counter, that's a depression. When the only decent meal I can get is through a potluck or through a party, that's a depression. That's not a recession. Okay, let me jump back into actually going to the LDS church to ask for help. Because, yeah, I'm a little bit bitter about it. I'm a diabetic woman that has high blood pressure. I'm doing the best I can to actually manage this. And I'm in danger of actually facing eviction and losing my property. This is a new society that's created people due to this ridiculous inflation. So I go to the bishop and I wait over two hours for him. And by the way, the people that I actually gave the sugar-free candy for, they were waiting as well. 
So it was their tithing day. This was the day that they actually take money from their members. Okay, well, I still need to talk to the bishop, right? I'm in danger of losing my place. I need help. I've already asked family. My family has helped me out best they can. So you know what? This is perfect opportune time to actually go to the bishop because this is what you do as an LDS member. Yeah, check it, Bishop. I'm actually an LDS member. Believe it or not, I still am because you guys won't remove me from the book, so I'm still your member. Even though I'm actually a Christian now. I've seen the error of my ways. Okay, but anyways. God forgives all, John 3.16. Okay, so I go down to this LDS church, and I'm like begging them for help, right? I'm like, I really need help with this. Like, if I can just actually you know like because i couldn't get my rent paid until the end of the month i'm really facing issues because i was part-time for such a long time before they finally put me on the payroll as full-time they just did that last week so i really don't need to get evicted i it just i'm a diabetic for god christ's sake anyways he just He's so, he's so worried that he's going to get scammed out of money. He just looked at me and just basically said, Oh, well, we have no proof that you remember. Prove it. I'm like, he's like, what's your roll number? And I'm here thinking, is this a Nazi concentration camp where I have to have a number stamped on my skin? There's no way in heck I'm going to do that, LDS church. No, no. And the bishops didn't used to actually be like this at the LDS church. But, um, of course, they really don't believe in their church and they're... They're literally Nazis. They are Nazis. You can't get help from them. People don't ask them for help anymore. And it was funny because there were a bunch of people signed up for the, uh, you know, to give tithing. None of, nobody showed up. I think there was one person that showed up out of like 10. But nobody else showed up. So I think he was a little bit irritated at the fact that nobody really wanted to give money to him because... You know, of course, it's, it's going towards building maintenance and temples and, you know, stuff that people will never see. People who are never qualified to actually walk into their temples unless they're actually having a grand opening. So I'm here telling him, I'm like, yeah, I was baptized when I was 10. He's like, well, where are you baptized? Salt Lake. Like, <laughs> Salt Lake headquarters. My mother insisted that I was baptized. Because that's what she was forced to do. Because she was actually going through the church welfare a long time ago. Where they helped uh, clothe her kids. They helped feed her kids. And they actually helped pay her rent. Now they won't even help you with anything. Especially if you're a single female. And went through a bout of this back in 2010 when I was married. They laid out the red carpet. My, my husband at the time, he wasn't even Mormon. They laid out the red carpet... They got us food, they got us clothing, they got us furniture, and we didn't even ask for any of this stuff. The only thing they required was that we attend church. This time they want you to attend church and they will give you absolutely nothing. Then they will call you a con artist, they will insult you, and then they'll tell you to get the hell out of their church. I'm not even joking about this, people. I just went through this yesterday. Now I'm really thankful for my job, but my job does pay $10 an hour. My job is not going to be sufficient enough to cover my car, to cover my insurance, to cover my rent. It was sufficient when I was working with Uber. I did nothing to disturb that job at Uber. So it was either A, somebody complained about me because they were jealous that I actually had a car, 
or B, they were just letting people go because, uh, you know, the government's been pressing down on them to actually have, uh, you know, to, to actually turn, you know, their workers into employees, which 99% of people at Uber do not want. It's like maybe 1% that actually want it because, you know, they live in the areas that don't really pay very much. But, I mean, even here in West Virginia, I was making, you know, 20 an hour. To actually make half of what I actually made before is actually a disgrace. And the fact that I just went full-time a week ago, I hate to admit it, but this economy, especially here in West Virginia, is set up to screw people. Now, the bishop's answer to all this was to write DHHR on a piece of paper and then hand it to me. And at first I looked at it, I'm like, what is DHHR? There's no phone number attached to it, nothing. He's like, well, that's what you need to remember. I'm like, I think I can remember DHHR without you having to write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to me. So I gave it back to him. I'm like, I don't need this piece of paper. I'm like, if do you really think that I haven't gone through every single bit of uh, charities out there that could possibly help before I came to you? Don't you realize, Bishop, that you were the last person on the face of the planet I actually wanted to come to for help? You don't think that I haven't been down to the food stamp office? You don't think that I haven't tried to apply for unemployment? You don't think that I haven't tried these other other places to actually help me with rent? Do you really think that? What, do you think that I'm not working right now? I am actually working a job, and I came out with my paycheck stub, right, so I could show him. He didn't even want to see it. I came out with, like, I'm like, okay, here and here's a piece of paper that actually shows that they're trying to evict me. He didn't want to see it. He didn't want to see anything. He didn't want to hear anything. It was kind of like one of those ostriches where he just wanted to stick his head in the sand. Now, I would not have made this a big deal at all, except for the fact that, you know what, I wanted a couple missionaries to pray for me because I didn't know who else could pray for me about this issue. And that's what I wanted. So I originally called a couple missionaries. I'm like, look, you really need to pray for me because I need to get all my stuff in storage because um, of my let go in mid-October. I can't, I can't afford to do this anymore. I've been set up to lose everything that I brought to West Virginia. Everything. No matter how hard I worked, there was just no hope for me here. And I still may actually lose everything. And you know what? They said I had to seek permission of the bishop first. That's what they told me before I got everything in storage. So they won't even help me do that. They won't even help me move my things as a 50-year-old woman into storage. I had to figure that out all on my own. Because as the bishop said, we teach our members to be self-sufficient and independent. No, I, I have to disagree, bishop. I think that you set your people up to be so dependent on you that they can't even make a decision for themselves. So, Bishop Pulley, good luck with the quackery that you actually pull. You have made me angry beyond words. You have made everything your church stand for not believable. By the way, you're not even Christian. You're a false prophet. That's what I call him, a false prophet. Now, whether Joseph Smith was false, I mean, most Christians would agree that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. And with the attitude that this Bishop Pulley had towards me as a human being and how I was treated, 
I guess Christians were right. Okay, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I know it was a little bit heated. I talked about relationships a little bit. I hope you got something out of it. If anything, don't go to the LDS Church for help. Just, you know what? Give them a hand wave and move on. Now, LDS Church, I forgive you. You know why? Because I know my Father in Heaven will forgive me if I forgive you. But I'm done with you. I won't ever look back. All right, this has been Margaret Coatman Frankowitz. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. If it has been helpful, please share. Please don't judge me too harshly. I was pretty angry. And uh, as a diabetic girl, we can get angry. So I ha- I'll have to talk about temperament in another video. <laughs> but we're still a lot of fun. All right. Remember, be kind to each other, even the people who want to hurt you. Because there are definitely organizations and people who will be out there to hurt you. Watch your back. Um, especially at work. Especially in churches. Not all churches are like that, but some are. And I hope that you have a great day.